Welcome everyone to today's webinar entitled Is Uzbekistan Running Out of Gas? Brought to you by Aerial Group, one of the largest independent oil field services groups in the Eurasian region. Founded in 2004, Aerial Group provides well construction and workover services to major oil and gas companies in Central Asia, the Russian Federation and the Middle East. Aerial operates with leading Russian and international companies such as Rosneft, Novatec, Gazprom, Lukoil, Uzbekneftegas, Petronas, CNPC, Mol Group, and many others. Uzbekistan has undergone radical reform in the years since President Shavkat Mirziyoyev assumed power in late 2016. In the natural gas industry, the government has eased conditions for foreign investors and worked to create a more market-driven sector. The Central Asian state is among the largest gas producers in the CIS space, although many of its largest fields were developed in the Soviet era. In this webinar, we discuss what the future has in store for Uzbekistan's gas sector. My name is Joseph Murphy, and I will be serving as moderator of this discussion. Joining us will be Uzbekistan's Deputy Energy Minister, Vizot Namatov, Head of Aerial's Regional Business Unit for Central Asia, Bakrambek Ismailov, and Louis Skyner, a partner at international law firm Dentons. I'll start today's discussion by addressing questions to our three speakers. But before we begin, I'd like to briefly provide some information for viewers' benefit. Firstly, as some of our speakers today will be speaking in Russian, viewers are invited to use the interpretation function found at the bottom of the page to switch between the two languages. Viewers can also submit questions for the speakers at any point during the discussion, and I will address them at the end. May I just ask that viewers use the questions box rather than the chat box and write which speaker they would like to address the question to. So without further ado, Let's begin. My first questions go to Deputy Energy Minister Bezot Namatov. What is the current state of play for exploration and production in Uzbekistan? Could you maybe provide a summary of where the industry is now and what progress has been made in the past five years? So uh, we are, uh, we were uh, even consumers of uh, gas and uh, liquid hydrocarbons, but lately became more. Uh, natural gas consumers and uh, because of the uh, lack of uh, liquid hydrocarbon reserves. And uh, I, I can say that Uzbekistan used to produce about 10 million tons of liquid hydrocarbons before prior 2000. Uh, and uh, thus was the consumption, accordingly was the consumption and uh, close to the, the first uh, decade, end of the first decade of 21st century, we changed uh, the direction to the natural gas and, and we have one of the most extensive uh, network of uh, CNG stations in former Soviet Union. And in some regions, 99% of the cars are running on the natural gas, you can say NGVs, right? And thus the consumption is growing. And in order to support uh, the consumption, uh, the growth, economic growth within the country, which has boomed since the uh, Shaukat Mir Ziyoyev have became 
president and liberalized the, the financial market, uh, investment markets have been created, uh, uh, foreign investments are welcomed, and we have created, uh, we have made a substantial changes to the legislation, created new ones in order to uh, make it possible, right? So the main focus was not only the big projects, mega project, but also the small and medium business to improve the quality of the life and create uh, additional jobs. That's why uh, for, uh, I can say that in the last five years, the consumption of natural gas have grown significantly. I can say that only the population's consumption for the last four years have changed from 9 billion to 13 billion in 2021. Nine, 9 billion was in 2016, I think. So we are making, uh, we are making uh, it possible for the business to grow by supplying substantial enough, substantial amounts of uh, natural gas. And that's why we are planning to go in the path of creating more jobs within the country and uh, start uh, the, how to say, a chain of added, added value chain, I would say, right? Mm -hmm. By processing the gas, uh, and uh, producing, I would say, polymers and chemicals, which will be further used in, in other productions like uh, detergents or the, the plastic products within the country, right? Mm -hmm. So, which is at least three or four times more profitable than just selling the gas. There are some, uh, some directions in the uh, where you can make 10 times more profit out of the gas than just exporting it. So we have uh, processing plants and we're planning the new ones. We have, uh, we have two big processing plants, Shukan Gas Chemical Complex and Ustru Gas Chemical Complex. Both of them are producing, uh, both of them are producing the uh, different type of polymers. We have two oil refineries. Uh, Bukhara and Fergana. Fergana is one of the first ones in Central Asia, which was built in early 20th century. And uh, Bukhara uh, refinery had been built at the end of uh, 20th century, which is still fairly new. And we are working on improving its, uh, uh, its quality and increase the capacity in cooperation with Korean uh, SK. Uh, com engineering company called SK and Fergana uh, uh, refinery is given to the uh, company called Jazak Petroleum for management and they are also optimizing the production and improving the quality of the produced uh, products. For example, they're uh, starting to produce more eco-friendly fuels of high octane and more, uh, how to say, clean, cleaner than the ones that were produced before. They're optimizing and they are doing the project for decarbonization of the production facilities. They're cooperating with air products to install uh, the new hydrogen units and uh, hydrogen production units with this gray hydrogen, which will be further used for uh, as a pilot for public transportation in Fergana. We're working on that as well. And uh, we have, uh, we are increasing the capacity of Shurtan Gas Chemical uh, uh, Gas Chemical Complex to produce additional 300,000 tons of polymers annually. 
And we have two projects uh, under consideration, methanol to olefin. There is a MTO1, MTO2. And you know, we have another 50, approximately 50 projects aimed to deep processing of hydrocarbons. And you know, process every drop of it. So there will be no byproducts or everything will be processed and uh, thrown into a economy. So that's pretty much it. Well, um, oh. thank you for your very expansive answer. Um, so a lot of applications for natural gas in Uzbekistan and uh, a lot of different, different plans, uh, different avenues for, for adding value to, to the resource. Um, uh, so, so you mentioned the remaining gas reserves in, in Uzbekistan. Uh, where are they located in the country? And even, even though uh, many of, even though Uzbekistan's basins were uh, first developed in the Soviet era, um, what are the prospects for new gas discoveries? Uh, uh, I should say the gas reserves are split into evenly to Bukhara Hiva region, Amudarya Basin and Ustyur Plateau. And we are uh, making new discoveries, more discoveries in Ustyur Plateau, which was uh, not as extensively as studied as extensively as uh, Bukhara Hiva region, I would say Amudarya Basin, where we have the main production facilities now, the field mm -hmm. facilities. But we are uh, going deeper in, uh, in Ustyur, Latest discoveries of the fields are more than four kilometers. And uh, I think that uh, we will have a lot of uh, discoveries in Us specifically in Ustur regions. It doesn't mean that we're going to focus only on Ustur region. I think that we are running, uh, rerunning seismic and exploration works in uh, Amudarya Basin as well. And other parts of the country. Recently, we have. We have reached an agreement uh, uh, with uh, Russian Ross Geology in cooperation with Jizah Petroleum. They're going to conduct also an extensive exploration program, only exploration program in Ustyurt in, uh, and other unprospected uh, areas of the country. So we have, uh, we are, uh, how to say properly in English, we are investing more in exploration, which was not done in early 21st century. So the main focus was on infra creating an infrastructure and uh, improving the production. So the latest projects were also aimed to that, but uh, not, uh, not much was done when it comes to the exploration. Only a few small projects in RLC Basin was, were done uh, that was limited to only one project. Right? And some, of, some work was done with Gazprom, but we are now doing an extensive uh, study to understand the petro uh, petroleum system of the country. So I think that in the near future, we will have uh, new discoveries in uh, Lower Jurassic, Permian, and so on. Okay, and um, we touched on this, but what is the outlook for Uzbek gas production? Um, so, the government has said before it plans to cease gas exports by 2025. Um, you mentioned that um, uh, the situation reversed with Russia already, that uh, uh, now you're, buy, you're, you're taking gas from Russia rather than uh, um, 
um, sending it there. Um, what about the outlook for exports to China? Well, uh, Ministry of Energy's main task is to, to create a system of sufficient supplies for the economy of energy resources. Not only natural gas, but also electric energy, the power. Mm -hmm. We are, uh, we are, uh, how to say, we are moving from the economy which was based on only its internal capacity for energy resources. Thus, it was, its growth was heavily dependent on it, right? We're now mm -hmm. saying that letting the economy go run freely, but our main purpose is to supply sufficient amount of uh, energy resources, which means that we are open to the imports as long as it brings benefit to economy and improves its GDP growth, right? Usually, mm -hmm. in order to ensure the GDP growth, you always have to have a reserve. We do realize that it's gonna go, it's gonna cost more and more expensive if you go deeper, right? Drilling is expensive, treatment maybe will be expensive. The new areas will, uh, require more capex in order to create uh, the infrastructure in the place, especially in the Usut region, which is mostly uninhabited and desert areas, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, but we don't want economy to be tied to what we are doing in oil and gas sector. We, we are now improving the infrastructure, gas transportation infrastructure in order to, if necessary, import uh, the amount of gas we need to have economy growing in, in uh, aimed pace, like uh, at least five, six percent. But we want to have uh, reserves in the system, con contracted amount of gas, which would be necessary for the economy if uh, we, there will be certain facilities, let's say, uh, start earlier than it's planned. We need to have an extra amount of gas in the system, right? This is the, our aim to ensure. So yes, we want to decrease, as I said in my, in, in, when I was answering your first question that we want more added value products produced here. And if it, mm -hmm. if it requires the decreasing the amount of export, why not? So okay. those 50 projects, those 50 projects are all aimed to deep processing of gas. We will use the latest, latest licenses we are creating a, yeah, I want to go back to that MTO project that I mentioned, methanol to olefin. This, this is a, an idea of creating a sort of a cluster where each stage of the gas processing will be, might be owned by one or two companies, or it can be a joint venture, or it can be a private owned by in an in a offtake basis. So utilities can be one company, uh, technical gas can be one company, and end product can be bought off by, you know, by the company. So it would be pre-contracted in every stage. So it's a new approach to attract investments and ensure the, uh, ensure the target IRR internal rate of revenues for each stage. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Um, and yeah, I already see that uh, some of the topics you've mentioned have generated a few questions, which we'll, we'll address at the end. Um, if I can move on now to uh, Mr. Bakrumbek Ismailov uh, from Ariel, the business, uh, the head of uh, Ariel's business unit for Central Asia. Um, what is Ariel's take uh, as a leading 
um, oil field services player in Uzbekistan. What is Ariel's take on the prospects for the country's oil and gas sector? Good afternoon, dear colleagues. Yes, I apologize for connecting slightly later uh, because of technical issues. Uh, can you hear us? Can you see us? Yes, we can. Yes, uh, good afternoon, Mr. Narmatov. Well, before I proceed with the response, I would like to give you an overview, dear participants, uh, about the aerials uh, operations in Uzbekistan. Uh, recently, on the 14th June, Ariel has uh, celebrated its uh, 17th anniversary. On 14th June 2004, our company has signed its first contract for construction of 28 uh, uh, operating uh, wells uh, in Buzafur field uh, owned by Uzbek Gas, and we have earned uh, we have uh, commissioned the first uh, drilling rig and this contract was implemented successfully uh, on time. And uh, over this uh, 17 years, we, uh, the uh, number of our staff has reached uh, 11,000 people. And the company today has uh, 75 owned uh, rigs and we have uh, drilled over 3,000 uh, oil and gas wells, and uh, we and and over and uh, a total of uh, three uh, ten ten million to four four hundred thousand uh, of uh, rock was uh, uh, drilled through. And uh, over the last years, in all uh, subsectors of oil and gas sector in Uzbekistan, we see a lot of uh, positive uh, changes, uh, uh, demand requirements uh, to the uh, use, subsoil users uh, are changing and the customers uh, are uh, upgrading their uh, the technical requirements and the requirements are changing in the selection of uh, drilling uh, contractors. I can give you an example. Uh, in 2016, our company attended in a, in a bidding for selection of a drilling contractor uh, by Uzgorgas Chemical so for construction of 550 operating uh, wells in the Surgil field. And one of the requirements of the uh, client was that a drilling uh, contractor should have, uh, should commit to uh, should uh, assume responsibility for uh, certain uh, product yield of the well after it is drilled. And uh, this is the first time when the, the contractors were held responsible for the performance uh, where the drilling company is responsible for the outcome. Uh, on the one hand, uh, uh, identification of the drilling point and depth uh, uh, is done by the uh, customer, but we are responsible for for the end result. But I would like to know that uh, this contract uh, uh, was delivered by our company in full 
uh, with uh, uh, one and a half years earlier than schedules with 100% uh, output outcome. So all 50 wells we drilled uh, have uh, uh, resulted in the required uh, uh, flow of natural gas. Today, almost all customers require drilling uh, contractors uh, more than they did uh, 10, 20 years ago. And uh, we, are give, uh, we are giving up uh, the uh, classical uh, drilling contractor approaches. We, uh, we are now uh, studying geology more uh, where we do our own geophysical research. We use uh, into the best technologies and engineering solutions and all these activities are uh, aimed at uh, reaching a final result. In Uzbekistan, majority of fields are developed and operated uh, uh, for uh, quite a long time and uh, to increase production uh, uh, of hydrocarbons, uh, we, we today need additional efforts. And in the oil and gas sector of Uzbekistan today, uh, we are uh, uh, developing on the path of increased uh, uh, geological series uh, uh, so, uh, research, uh, as the Mr. as Deputy Minister said, and uh, based on these uh, uh, requirements of the oil and gas sector, Ariel tries uh, uh, to uh, to uh, use uh, to uh, to to uh, use advanced action and. Uh, I would like analyzing our operations in oil and gas sector. Uh, we would like to uh, share the uh, our outlook of the development of uh, fuel and energy sector. When back in 2014 we started our own uh, operations at Guzakur uh, field and Eastern Guzakur field, despite these fields being uh, discovered in 1970s, uh, there development never started because of uh, the perceived uh, uh, lack of profitability and high level of costs of the uh, small uh, fields with uh, hard to explore uh, reserves. But uh, Ariel's first experience of drilling uh, uh, in these uh, fields, Muzaffar, uh, has shown that uh, uh, that uh, profitable operation uh, uh, of smaller reserves uh, fields uh, is possible. And uh, since uh, uh, Ariel started operating in Uzbekistan, we analyzed the uh, drilling related data and we have identified the uh, bottlenecks that were preventing construction of the, uh, the well systems in the field. And uh, as a result of our analysis, we started developing a new technologies allowing to drill uh, in very complex geological conditions uh, to the depth of over 4,000 meters uh, against the backdrop of high impact of geological and uh, technological factors also uh, increased production of gas in Uzbekistan facilitated uh, the use of uh, 
compression uh, gas compress compression uh, gas compression technologies in large gas condensate fields and today the government of uzbekistan pays a lot of attention to the further development of oil and gas operations and understanding the need for further development of uh, oil and gas sector and uh, uh, this is where our uh, company uh, is an active player and uh, provides all the support in attracting and using new technologies uh, exploring new technological options uh, uh, to, for for to, for uh, for production of hard to explore hard to extract hydrocarbons and as uh, my colleague uh, mr narmatov said before uh, over this uh, period we have uh, commissioned uh, uzbekistan has commissioned two uh, gas chemical factories uh, plants and our company too uh, was involved in uh, in construction of this uh, uh, gas chemical uh, ref uh, refineries in construction of uh, uh, engineering infrastructure uh, uh, and uh, creation of technological facilities assets uh, so uh, the these are uh, all this is my take on the uh, priorities of the development of oil and gas sector in Uzbekistan. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, so very interesting to hear about uh, the work area was doing and applying so new technologies, new techniques to to old fields um, or, or fields that were discovered uh, some time ago. Um, you mentioned a lot uh, geological complexities. Uh, you you spoke about hard to recover or um, uh, resources. Um, could you tell me a bit more about what that means? What what kind of what are the geological characteristics of of Uzbekistan? Yeah, uh, I would like to go back to the history. And in uh, in the period from 2004 till 2010, Ariel was uh, uh, doing uh, works under uh, one of uh, contracts uh, for uh, drilling. But starting 2010, the company has revisited its uh, uh, technologic technologies. Uh, uh, for exploration in the mountainous uh, in the in the uh, fields uh, located in mountainous areas, and uh, aerials aerial for 70 years had been working both in Uzbekistan and in Russia, uh, and uh, in uh, Gulf countries and uh, the uh, Southeast Asian countries, and studying uh, geo. Uh, we 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 see that geology of drilling and exploration in different countries is different. And from our experience in Uzbekistan, we see that uh, we need to uh, use uh, uh, more advanced technologies. And today, Aerial Group is uh, not only a drilling contractor, but is a leading partner uh, of, for our customers in decision-making, for making decisions for uh, for uh, exploration and intensifying the yield of the uh, fields. And our analysis of geological characteristics of the fields has shown that 
uh, we need to uh, we have an urgent need for systemic organizational structure to analyze geological data that are available on the uh, uh, on our fields uh, to uh, support the selection of the most appropriate approaches and methods technologies and in 2020 we have created as part of our group a new system of uh, uh, geological and hydrodynamical of uh, study surveys of uh, uh, of uh, of uh, reservoirs and we are creating a geological database on the oil and gas fields in uzbekistan as i have already mentioned in Uzbekistan geological characteristics of uh, uh, oil and gas fields is uh, uh, is varies uh, in different regions. In Ustur, for example, uh, productive uh, uh, horizons are uh, multi-layer and uh, lens-like, and while in Bukhara, were uh, 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 there are different uh, 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 carbon bearing and aggressive uh, uh, acidic uh, 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 environments with high content of uh, uh, sulfur dioxide and other uh, byproducts. In Surhan region, for example, productive horizons are located in greater depth uh, from 3,000 to 5,000 meters. Also, uh, we, uh, we, we see, uh, we see uh, water bearing aggressive uh, sour environments with high uh, sulfur dioxide uh, con and uh, CO2 content in the gas. And uh, during uh, when we drill in these uh, geologically complex uh, situations, we observe, uh, we, we, uh, we uh, we, we we observe caving formation and many other challenges making drilling uh, drillers uh, uh, job difficult. But I can confirm that our company today to address these uh, problems is implementing a new system of uh, geological exploration in the fields based on maximum uh, uh, ex, uh, extract uh, maximum uh, extraction of geological information uh, as part of the drilling operation, and we are and we uh, we are working in Ustjurt region in uh, in in the uh, project called 25 uh, 25th anniversary of Uzbekistan's independence, and uh, this is where we have collected all this data. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you met, so you, just then you mentioned the uh, 25 years of independence uh, gas field. Uh, briefly, could you just, um, for our viewers' benefits, uh, tell us what other key upstream projects are underway in Uzbekistan? Today uh, in Uzbekistan, uh, we have several ongoing uh, key and important projects uh, in both upstream uh, uh, and exploration uh, subsectors. And I would like to note that in 2017, the government of Uzbekistan uh, 
uh, has instituted, uh, has approved a program aimed at uh, increasing production of hydrocarbons for the uh, for the period from 2017 to 2021. And according to this five-year roadmap, uh, plans were uh, to explore, uh, to do, uh, to do, uh, to construct uh, oil and gas uh, uh, wells in different regions and uh, improve uh, and construct uh, uh, gas pipelines, collectors. And uh, another important project is a project for implementation of pre-exploration. Uh, 25 years of independence is one of the uh, important key projects uh, sorry and we are working uh, to uh, to fully uh, uh, to to develop this field and uh, we have already uh, completed 40% of operate of uh, project activities, and we st we are now currently uh, last, uh, constructing a surface infrastructure. And by 2023, this field will be uh, commissioned to uh, to full scale operation. And despite the quite complex geological conditions uh, for uh, well drilling and uh, exploration of the productive horizons in this uh, field our company our company has completely uh, implemented uh, uh, the uh, intended technology despite the uh, difficult conditions thank you. thank you very much and uh, if we could now move on to you louis skyner um so how how favorable are the conditions for uh, exploration and, and production um, uh, companies, uh, you know, participating in upstream projects in Uzbekistan compared with other countries in the CIS region? Thank you for the question. Thank you to both speakers for very informative uh, presentations. Um, I'm not a geologist, so I'm not going to talk with such um, insight. Uh, as to the geology, um, my, my work has been as a lawyer. I spent a number of years as the leading legal counsel at Statoil, uh, working in Moscow for, for the region, um, and have been working recently in, in Uzbekistan. So I, I don't have any of the insights the previous speakers have. I guess they both um, pointed to the fact that the reserves of Uzbekistan are much smaller than the reserves of, of both Russia and Kazakhstan. Um, there's also issues in terms of um, how companies would monetize production. Uh, clearly, it costs more to get it to market. Um, there's also, as has been mentioned, uh, a plan now that the government will prohibit export from 2025. So I guess if you're looking uh, at Uzbekistan as, a, as an international oil and gas company, you won't get anywhere near as excited as you would looking at both Russia and, and Kazakhstan because the reserves are bigger um, and there's more opportunity to export. Um, I think the other thing is that, and I would say this because I'm a lawyer, that, that, that no matter how they've been covered in the press, I think both Russia and Kazakhstan have done a reasonably good job establishing petroleum regimes where you have a balance of investor and government interests. Um, clearly, you know, this has been a, an evolution. Um, when oil and gas companies first started working in Russia in the 90s, 
the Russian government awarded PSAs, um, famous ones being at Sakhalin. You know, 10 years later, Putin was calling them colonial regimes, um, and quite rightly to some extent, because the international oil companies, I think, did, did take liberties, they did inflate costs, um, and because of the ways the PSAs were drafted, uh, they were able to increase their share as, of the oil as cost oil. So, so the Russian system involved, I mean, they introduced risk service arrangements. Um, you see the same in Kazakhstan. I mean, obviously, you had the two flagship projects, um, Tengiz, Kashagan, I mean, Chevron, Exxon, Agip, Shell at Karachaganak, they've all been there and they're all still there, e even if Kazmanai Gas has increased their share. So I think that the challenge for Uzbekistan is, is both defining and implementing a framework that succeeds in achieving that balance of interests. Um, I know the, the ministry is currently very busy in terms of drafting a new law on subsoil, uh, a new law on gas. So th this is a work in process, but it's also important that the law is, is implemented consistently. Um, I think you know, for, from, a, from a lawyer's perspective, uh, the risk service arrangements, um, the law was adopted in September last year. It hasn't been used yet, but I mean, I think that will be a very useful tool. Uh, we saw it first in Iraq in 2009. I remember when I worked for Statoil on West Kerner II with Luke Oil, um, you know, their auctions were based on risk service arrangements. It then spread to other countries because countries realized that um, EMP companies are prepared to do work uh, on a different model. Um, and given the size of the reserves in Uzbekistan, um, given the need, as the last speaker has emphasized, for new technology to be deployed, new techniques, uh, I think it would be good if Uzbekistan were to run now auctions, competitive tenders um, for such arrangements and bring in, you know, experienced, well-respected international contractors who could then um, create confidence um, and help other local contractors improve production. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's hard to compare Uzbekistan with its neighbours. Um, but at the same time, I think Uzbekistan has a lot to learn from its neighbours in that no matter how they're slated in the Western press, um, you know, Exxon are still in Sakhalin 1. Um, I mean, BP are still a large shareholder of Rosneft. As I said, Shell, Chevron and the others still have large shares in Kazakhstan. So. Um, you need to create that sort of, I think, image of, of stability. Mm -hmm. Okay, and uh, you mentioned um, risk, uh, risk uh, service agreements. Um, what other options are available uh, for an upstream company wanting to par participate in a particular project? I mean, to date, you, you, you have seen product sharing agreements used. I mean, mm -hmm. Oil has one. Um, product sharing agreements, I think, aren't really applicable any longer because of the size of the reserves that are going to be produced. Um, I think also as countries de-risk, um, they move away from such models. You know, clearly a product sharing agreement is an agreement that gives the investor comfort they're going to recover their costs up front. Uh, and that's why, you know, I, I guess Russia used them in the 1990s, Uzbekistan used them. But the more international investors are confident in, in the system, I think the more you can transit towards arrangements like risk service. 
agreements. Um, you can also award exploration licenses. Um, one of my clients, uh, Epsilon Development Company, has, I think, five or six licenses. Um, they are, mm -hmm. uh, like Ariel, they are bringing in, you know, experienced, seasoned uh, drilling contractors. They are increasing production on the fields they have. So I think for smaller fields, it would actually be good to increase competition by, you know, giving licenses, exploration licenses out to uh, different types of companies. I mean, clearly, from the ministry's perspective, and Mr. Namatos emphasised this, maintaining the level of gas production is critical, um, given now the need to import gas and the increased reliance on gas. But, but I think the experience in, you know, Western Europe and elsewhere shows that competition downstream, which I know is a, a big um, aim now in Uzbekistan with, 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 with the liberalization of, of the gas sector. We're working on a World Bank project that's looking at unbundling third-party access, all, all the usual stuff you've seen happen over the last 20 years in the UK, US, Europe. That, that needs to be complemented by um, competition upstream. It, it doesn't make sense to, to liberalize downstream and have monopolies upstream because mm -hmm. uh, you want to obviously create competitive tension. So I, I think it would, would, would be pro probably to Uzbekistan's advantage if, if smaller Western oil and gas companies were given plays and helped improve the technology know-how and helped improve the competition. Okay, and uh, what would you say has have been the most uh, effective reforms undertaken by the government um, in terms of encouraging uh, this international upstream uh, investment? Um, you know, these reforms, both specific to the sector, but taking a step back, you know, reforms that have also benefited the general economy. Well, I mean, I think, as everyone um, probably knows, that the, the, the key reforms were ones enacted nearly four years ago um, in 2017, when, when uh, currency controls were, were ended. Um, I think that, that that was critical when, when the central bank took the decision to, to unpeg the sum from, from the dollar and permitted companies to, to, to buy and sell hard currency for, for different operations. Um, then in March 2019, you had the end on capital controls, uh, which means that companies can fully repatriate uh, their capital gains from investments without any conversion needs. Um, they, they are clearly significant reforms. Um, I think that the challenge now for the Uzbek government is that they created so much interest internationally uh, and quite a lot of expectation. It, it is to maintain the, the pace of reform. Um, the president in April 2019 announced that 28 or 29 companies will be partially privatized. That didn't happen. Um, it is now in the process of happening. I mean, there are a couple of privatizations that are underway, but I think it's important this year that Uzbekistan is able to complete a couple of privatizations, that it's able to get good value, um, that it's able to, to, to show the you know, investor community that these, these privatizations are done uh, at arm's length um, and that you create confidence. And I think the way to do that is to, you know, clearly set out the policy. And obviously, as, as the Uzbek government has, 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 you know, 
being very open about improve um, efficiency and performance. I mean, that they're working actively with the development banks on that. Uh, they also need, I think, to bring in, you know, the typical players in, in a reform process. Um, you know, the, the investment banks, uh, the underwriters, the lawyers, the, 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 there's a whole army of people that obviously make money in the West, but they're there for a reason because they create value in, in the value chain and they create confidence that when a process has begun, it's going to end more or less where they, 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 they hoped it would end. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's been a lot of progress, um, but there's been a slowing down. Obviously, COVID is, is, is part of the expert explanation, but I, I think, yeah, now it, it's critical that Uzbekistan starts to deliver on, on some of the, the privatizations. In the oil and gas sector, as I mentioned, there are a whole series of laws now being drafted um, that will uh, include provisions on unbundling, third-party access, uh, tariff deregulation, that there's a law on subsoil. Um, all those measures need to be uh, adopted, implemented. But, you know, if, if markets are to work, you need independent regulators. Um, that's the lesson from the rest of the world. You, you need to create a regulator who isn't, um, you know, under pressure uh, for policy reasons to, to make decisions in one direction or another. Um, and I, th I think that's going to be a critical element. I know in the project we're doing with the World Bank, that's certainly an issue that's, that we're flagging in reports because that's how you create um, you know, transparency. That's how you create confidence is by having independent regulators to, who can look at how the system functions and make, make sure that it functions in the most effective way. Thank you very much. Um, if we could, so we're a little behind schedule, but not, not too much. Um, if we could move on now to the uh, viewer Q&A uh, section. Uh, so we've had a lot of questions uh, come in. Um, quite a few are addressed to Mr. Namatov, who, who I see is now present again. Um, so if we could start with a question about Imports um, to Mr. Namatov. Uh, Uzbekistan bought 1.5 BCM of gas from Turkmenistan uh, via Gazprom. Can you explain the rationale of working with Gazprom and will Uzbekistan continue purchases of gas from Turkmenistan later this year? As I said, our main purpose is to supply sufficient amounts of gas for the, to support the economic growth. And it doesn't matter, we can buy, if there is a gas in Afghanistan, we'll buy it in Afghanistan. Even the Cold War period, West bought to gas from Russia. And believe it or not, there is, a, you know, the, the sanctions against Russia from the United States is heavy. But the last year was a peak, the record, they beat the record of purchase of uh, oil from Russia. Mm -hmm. So buying a gas from Turkmenistan, we will, we will be import, importing necessary amounts of gas if it requires to, if economic growth requires importing, why not? It can be one and a half, it can be 10. It doesn't really matter because mm -hmm. end of the, at the end of the day, economic impact will be much, much, much better. Thank you. Um, and I- How is it like, regards to the gas buying from Turkmenistan and the Gazprom? Since Gazprom mm -hmm. has a firm contracts and we need uh, an insured supplier, if the Gazprom is uh, offering us a good price, uh, we're buying from Gazprom. Mm 
So just business. Uh, thank you. Um, and uh, so I'd like to remind our viewers, uh, you can still submit your questions, but I still have a f quite a few here already. Um, so again, to you, Mr. Namatov, um, two questions. What, what is the likelihood of a natural gas export ban occurring? And mm -hmm. do you have any forecasts, uh, well, targets for production and exports in 2021 and 2022? It is 21. Uh, it is, uh, the, the, there are numbers that still to be clarified because we are now negotiating with China uh, on the flexibility of the export amounts depending on the time of the year. So I cannot clearly say if the number I can give you might be a different at the end of the year. So for production, I've said that it is almost uh, 56 billion cubic meters production uh, forecast for this year for all the companies operating in Uzbekistan, not only Uzbek natural gas. And then uh, usually what, what we are doing now, we are changing the approach on how we forecast. That's why ability to import and uh, uh, immunity of the economy, immunity of the economy on or uh, Decreasing the dependency on internal production gives a breathing space for Uzbek nafta gas to reevaluate its resources to uh, find an optimal ways to produce in, a, in the most effective and in the most cost-effective way. So we are uh, getting uh, away from volume-based forecast to profit-based forecast. Since Uzbek Nefty Gas is going for an IPO in near future, and they will bear the responsibility for every dollar they spend, because they, they have uh, they will have shareholders and so on, and uh, uh, that's why uh, this year's forecast being analyzed. Uh, the, all the geological and technical activities of UNG have been uh, audited by Schlumberger. Uh, they're, they're about to complete the whole 2021 by the end of the August. And at the same time, we're planning to start uh, the, uh, production forecast for next year with Schlumberger. So we have uh, the Uzbek nafta gas uh, have, uh, how to say, created uh, static and dynamic models of the majority of the fields, which gives an opportunity to optimize the geological the technical activities uh, planned for the next year. And based on that, we try to more accurately forecast of the production that will not harm the fields itself, and it will be the most cost effective. And based on the forecast for the next year, we will, if there are gaps between consumption and production within the country, and taking into consideration our export obligations, PSA obligations, where we have certain amount of, where we have certain amount of gas to be exported, which of course will bring a benefit in form of a tax and revenue or other, other type of uh, uh, collections uh, going to the budget, and uh, we'll see how much import we can do. So we need, we need to get away from the, the volume-based forecast to profit-based forecast, mm -hmm. profit-based. And it doesn't mean, it, must, it might not mean that the maximum production will have a maximum profit. 
So we want a minimum expenditures per uh, cubic meter produced. So value over volume then? Yes. Okay, thank you. Um, and I thought this was a particular, particularly interesting question uh, addressed to you, Mr. Skyner. Um, so you had BP and uh, s s several other international uh, majors um, sign preliminary deals to, to do some investigating for, for oil and gas in, in Uzbekistan. Um, but I think the it's fair to say the priorities of these companies have, have, ch has, have changed significantly um, with the energy transition now seem feeling in, in, in full swing. Um, so their appetite for new accreage and new countries is not as it used to be. Um, you mentioned various old contractual modules, models for Uzbekistan to attract EMP companies. They didn't work so well before. Uh, why do you think they will work in the new geopolitical energy atmosphere? Um, maybe we can approach this firstly. You know, do, do the majors still have appetite for um, moving into Uzbekistan? I, I think the other two speakers probably are in a best position to answer that. We, we as a law firm, are, are not working with, with any of the majors. And mm -hmm. I, I mean, I think the, the, the person who's asked the question is correct that there, there was an interest. But, you know, as, as everyone said, the reserves really don't justify, a, you know, a big international EMP company coming in. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's also issues with value chain. I mean, you know, some of the majors have particular... Uh, expertise and experience um, more in the refining downstream, but but they want to make sure that they uh, can make the whole value chain chain work. Um, so they would need, you know, positions upstream, midstream, down downstream, uh, and maybe that hasn't been necessarily on the table. Um, yes, of course they are refocusing. Um, I think a lot of it is. Is still noise, but it's becoming more and more reality. I, I know from my former employers at Statoil, which is now called Equinor, because they've they've got rid of the word oil from their mm -hmm. their name. Um, that yeah, more and more time and money is being spent on on wind and other forms of green energy. Uh, they still obviously produce oil and gas, and to that extent, I think all the majors are still looking for good oil and gas plays locally, um, globally. Um, I, I think it's there's probably a little bit too much hype as to how quickly oil and gas will die. It's, it's not going to die a rapid death. Mm -hmm. um, with regard to the contract models, I mean, I was suggesting more that you have smaller EMP companies, um, stroke contractors who, who would be happy to do work on a risk service basis. I mean, you know, you get guaranteed, uh, fee for reaching the base production and you get a premium if you if you increase the the production above that um you know we, we have clients who've looked at uzbekistan expert petroleum one of them who, who've done work in ukraine in romania elsewhere as i said epsilon development company they actually own licenses in uzbekistan but they've brought in oil field tools from from, from the us uh, to increase production in fagana um they i think that they're bringing across in July next month, uh, the Jaffa Exploration Group, you know, a, a Texan uh, a potential investor who, who sees real potential uh, in, in some of those fields. So 
I think Uzbekistan is interesting, not necessarily for the big boys like Shell, Exxon, uh, Equinor, but it's it's much more interesting for companies who are focusing on on the increase in explore, uh, production and focusing on the improvements, the efficiencies, um, the companies that are looking at margins much more carefully um, and getting better value. And, you know, my, my own experience of, from working in Statoil for a number of years is that the bigger the organization, the less attention you pay to margins because you're, you're in a luxurious position, you know, your budgets are large, as long as the price of oil and gas is okay, then you know you're making money. Um, the the advantage of bringing in these smaller, sort of lighter, leaner operators is that they're used to working with smaller margins, and they only make their margins if they deliver. Um, and I think that 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 is of mutual interest. Um, so yeah, maybe. I, I misphrased myself. I, I didn't mean, you know, the, the big EMP companies. I'm thinking more of, of smaller outfits, but, you know, mm-hmm. people who are prepared to invest money. Thank you. And uh, Mr. Namatov, maybe you would like to, to add to this. Yeah, um, like, yeah I, can, I can add to what uh, Louis said. Uh, uh, he's rightly saying that it is more of a service and small EMP companies uh, focus for Uzbekistan because big companies have a minimum benchmark where they will invest or in terms of reserves, benchmark in terms of reserves and production uh, capabilities. That's why it's, uh, by the way, Uzbek Neftigas have identified more than 20 fields for risk service contract basis. They are working on the documentation. An expert petroleum is, in, is participating in, in, go, in ongoing bid for five fields in Ghazli region of Uzbekistan. And it's in the final phase and we're expecting to, expecting to receive results next week. And we'll see how it goes. It's the first, first of a kind bid that we have conducted, and it was difficult for us because it was an unusual practice. And uh, usually it was a direct negotiation between two sides, and uh, they have done some with Schlumberger about five years ago and mm-hmm. stopped because the Schlumberger, either Schlumberger have changed priorities or Uzbek Neftigas have changed priorities. I was going to go working for government at that time, so I don't know the exact details of what happened. Anyways, uh, let's see what happens. And I, 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 I agree with uh, Luis once again that we need to focus on more technology-based uh, service companies and small EMP companies who are focusing on small margins, small fields, where they can use their capabilities, knowledge, and uh, maybe the experience. And, uh, and uh, they, the, the resources that they have, it may not be big, so they focus on smaller fields and use utilize their the resource existing resources they have. So they don't want to be overstretched with uh, like big companies can can allow themselves the luxury of spending a lot of money creating an infrastructure, investing more and more on, uh, on other things associated. Mm-hmm. And uh, one final question also to you: um, Do you see gas prices increasing, becoming? market prices. So this is a question about uh, liberalization of the uh, mm-hmm. uh, Uzbek gas market. Yes, it, it will eventually bring, if you liberalize the market and get away from uh, subs- subsidies, general subsidy that, 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 uh, that we have in Uzbekistan and uh, make the companies who are working in the, the gas distribution, gas transportation, profitable as a government companies, as entities, as they say, we're making 
we are focused on making these companies profitable and creating a new corporate, uh, how to say, new corporate behavior or uh, responsibilities for each company because we want their uh, financial system change to switch from old Soviet-based style to the uh, new financial uh, reporting uh, uh, to using new financial reporting tools to the, the international standard ones. And it will also bring the, the responsibility between the stakeholders. So we cannot put the subsidies on the activity of the companies. We would rather subsidize the vulnerable part of the population or the startup companies who rely on, you know, until they, you know, uh, until they improve their activities, maybe they rely on subsidies, but it will be case by case. But in general, we want uh, the market prices, uh, flexible market prices or fluctuating, right? It could be uh, fluctuating market prices, but we wanna uh, keep the subsidies for vulnerable part of the, uh, of the population which would be better because we are now subsidizing for everyone, rich and poor, right? Is it fair? Of course not. So we want to increase the, decrease the burden on the budget by moving away from uh, the subsidies and creating uh, more money turnover in the market and generating more taxes that goes to the budget and part of that will go to the vulnerable part of the population. I think that would be more fair. And of course, the gas prices will be going up, but not, uh, not in a, in a, it will not be the shock therapy. We're taking measures to uh, take it step by step. And uh, we, are, uh, we are focusing on how we can uh, decrease the impact of changing the system to that population, because our main focus is population. Thank you. Then based on that, we will create regulatory rules. We will have a separate regulating body that would, uh, uh, how to say, regulate the market prices and cut off the, how to say, the syndicates uh, playing with the, uh, with the tariffs and so on and so on. So it will be partially regulated in terms of the rules. So mm -hmm. that, I mean, uh, they, will not, they will not have a conflict of interest in the chain. Thank you. Uh, so we're running a little bit over the time. Um, so before I wrap things up, do any of our speakers have any brief uh, closing remarks to make on what we've discussed today? Uh, if you allow me, yeah. and uh, we are, uh, the, our audience have to understand where we are having uh, the reforms. We are in the midst of the reforms that are taking us from the old system to the new system and enabling uh, creating a whole new market, uh, whole new market, which is not known for Uzbekistan, we're creating a utility market, enabling all the players in the market from downstream to upstream and distribute from upstream to downstream and uh, to the end users, that would be fair to everyone. And uh, the main focus would be, uh, again, I iterate, I repeated, uh, several times that we have to ensure the economic growth. And it's proven that uh, uh, if you let the market regulate itself, I mean, let it flow, it will be able to stabilize itself. 
as long as you have a critical uh, supplies coming in to the market, which is the energy resources. If you don't have energy resources, you can forget about the economic growth. That's why we were, for example, we had plans to have three, gig, three and a half gigawatts of uh, uh, renewables generated uh, using the wind. We already have the firm contracts and agreements that will take us in two or three years to three gigawatts of wind. We have conducted several bids for scaling solar. And we have the record prices now in Uzbekistan, record low prices for solar power. And we are, you know, we are in the way that we becoming uh, energy dependent and independent in the same way. We are decreasing the, the, decreasing the use of uh, natural resources. We're decreasing the, its effect on uh, ecosystem and going to the renewable more. And you can see that in Uzbekistan, we are now giving subsidies for electric car production. And several regions have already developed projects to produce electric cars. We, are, we have created a research institute that will be working on, it's under Ministry of Energy, that will be working on renewables, including hydrogen. We don't want to be anymore the, uh, uh, how to say, we want uh, sooner become a technology creating country, not technology importing country. That's why we started to invest in hydrogen and renewables. And uh, we have already partners with air products and aqua, aqua power on, on that project. And it's an open project. We had today, we had business forum with Germans and uh, Siemens have increased interest. Uh, United Emirates, Mazda have increased interest, and everybody is now working on on this the green uh, uh, green business. I mean, uh, let me say that Equinor have changed its name from Statoil to Equinor, and we also know the new regulations in Europe for decarbonization and companies being sued for uh, producing uh, the oil and gas. And recently, I guess it was the latest was Shell. Am I right, Luis? Yes, yeah, very interesting court So case. we are on that path as well. And it, it works two ways. We are economy uh, the decreasing its dependency on natural resources, but we have increasing uh, dependency on electric power, but it's being compensated by renewables. So we are, we are also working at the same time for effective use of natural resources when it comes to the, for example, heating or using, you know, we are, in, how to say, we are encouraging energy efficiency, not only in the households, but also in businesses, giving, uh, giving uh, the sort of discounts for the companies who are using energy efficient technologies. Well, it is sad, but we are using four times more energy study shows than developed countries for heating a one cubic meter of space. We want, we, we introduce new standards of, for construction where we have more strict rules for uh, thermal insulations. We have, uh, we are working on uh, the legislation that will enable us to provide subsidies for energy efficient solutions 
in the companies and the household. So for example, we already have 30% compensation if the household uh, uses off-grid solution for heating and for solar. So we will compensate 30% of whatever money they spend. So that's, if we, we believe that if we, at least for the population, force them to use energy efficient technologies for a heating, we will have, we will free about 2 billion cubic meters of gas annually, which is equivalent to discovering a new field. And if we go further and use energy efficient technologies in industries, for example, now we're introducing new uh, H plus or J plus type turbines and replacing old Soviet made uh, low efficiency turbines, which means that we will be using same amount of gas, but producing two times more energy. We, this is also what we're doing. So uh, whoever wants to join us in these uh, uh, endeavors, I mean, they're welcome. We are open to, uh, to the offers and, uh, you know, we are doing our best to catch up with the rest of the world when it comes to the renewable, because it's a one way, it's a, it has a double effect on us. It decreases the uh, human activities effect on the environment and also uh, creating a sort of an um, immunity and increase, decreasing the dependency on natural resources and using more renewables. Thank you. Uh, if I may, I would like to say a couple of words. Uh, I would like to thank the organizers and participants of this webinar. A lot of useful information was shared uh, in the course, in the process, and this kind of exchanges are always useful. Thank you very much. Uh, we appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you to you too. Any other closing remarks? I, I would simply echo what Mr. Namatov has said. I mean, increasingly, you need to look at um, the energy system of a country in an integrated way, different sources of energy, different uses of energy, different participants in the energy system. And I think Uzbekistan has, has, has a lot of potential. I mean, we've been working with Mr. Namatov and his colleagues on an EBRD project. We've also been working on, on the other renewable projects he's mentioned. Um, clearly, Uzbekistan has an abundance of sun. Um, it has good wind conditions in certain parts of the country. Um, yes, those projects are at the moment supported by the development banks. Uh, they're attracting sort of sovereign-backed investors. But, you know, as I think confidence increases in the country, as, as deals reach financial close, as, as the risks are more effectively allocated between government, lender and sponsor, then I think you'll see more and more non-recourse project financing. I think hopefully you'll see more and more players. Um, as Mr. Namatov mentioned, hydrogen now is, is the buzzword. Um, still expensive, still needs to be improved. You know, you need to modularize it, you need to scale it up. You know, in five, six years time, when that's happening in Europe, then you can deploy it in Uzbekistan with great success. I mean, one of the challenges in Europe actually with hydrogen is the fact that it, it requires so much energy. I mean, you know, to run um, ammonia production or green hydrogen production, you need to increase uh, your renewable power production uh, sixfold. Um, so, you know, Uzbekistan can actually benefit 
from the timing and sequencing of the changes. If, if in the next two or three years, as Mr. Namato says, if these projects do reach close and are constructed, then they can move to the next stage. So I, I think the future is very, very bright in, in that sense because the resources are obviously there in abundance. Thank you. Uh, so uh, this has been our webinar uh, brought to you by Aerial Group uh, on is Uzbekistan running out of gas? Um, I'd like to give my special thanks to our speakers today for taking the time to take part in this discussion and um, also to, to our viewers for, for attending. Thank you very much, everyone.